0: the GBC Big Three Podcast, a weekly podcast where we sit down and unpack three big questions raised from our Sunday sermon. I'm your host, Matt Willis, and co-host with me, as always, is Jessica Baker. Jessica Baker, welcome to The Big Three. Thank you, Matt. You can barely get your words oh, out. No, You're I'm like, so so sorry. Jessica's here again. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm out. We we missed The Big Three last week yeah, because we had sad. a kickoff, yeah. and the workshops were all doing their own different mm-hmm. topics, so mm-hmm. we didn't have a Big Three, so to speak. So I just, you know, I had a fortnight off, and now <laughs> I'm just like, who am I? What do I say? <laughs> and what are we here to do? I just don't know anymore.
1: <laughs> I've totally lost my mind in the last couple of I, well, I was going <laughs> to ask you on that. Um, so last
0: time mm. we we spoke, last time we were in the same room together yes. because you've kind of been a bit of a hermit. Um, you you know, Huxley the pup had had just come home. He landed. You, in the you, you were house. in a bit of a state, just a bit, just a tad. Yep. Um, you know, just transitioning, uh, just <laughs> learning the lay of the land. Some would say. Um, you know, so it's been a couple of been a couple of weeks now. How, yeah. how are you
1: feeling? Yeah, good. Look, everyone, get ready for your weekly update of Huxley. Um, it's <laughs> Great. The Huxley it's highlights. Great. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. We'll make it a segment. Can we get a little um, theme music for that? <laughs> Love that. Um, yeah, Huxley's great. I'm great. We're all loving family life. Um, this is my one of my first times venturing out without him and I just know he's screaming at home and that's hard. But um it's all good.
0: I just feel like you are speaking so quickly and your pitch is just that slight bit higher than normal that I'm like you were to say that you're okay but everything else is like someone send help.
1: No I'm okay I'm just a little upset that like you have a baby and people bring you food and clean your house but no one's offered to bring me (laughs) dinner so it's pretty much the same right? Can
0: I say I think when my wife and I had a baby. You did both of those things. Yeah, I did. You had a puppy. I have done neither of yeah, those things. Yeah, in fact,
1: things. you've just laughed at me. Yeah, well, you
0: know, it's my way of caring.
1: <laughs> mm, look, as a midwife, I can say uh, safely, because I see a lot of new mums, this is hard up. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. No, I'm joking, I'm joking it's <laughs> The so views done. of Jessica Baker are
0: not the views of Gumby Baptist Church
1: No, it's not harder, I can't complain My dog is sleeping through the night, which is a delight mm,
0: Yeah, and I've got a 10 month old and I've yet to sleep through yeah, the well,
1: night Yeah, well, that's on you Okay, when you did sh- this become a competition? I feel <laughs> you like we need to move on No, have
0: got a dog oh, <laughs> No, I've got, I've got three pets of yeah, my Yeah, and they are a delight <laughs> All right. Let's move on before this gets savage. Um, for those of you who missed it, Margie Robertson had her preaching debut on Sunday in our PM service, continuing in our series, Following Jesus in the Gospel of John. Now, for those of you who don't know her, Margie is our GBC Serve team leader and longtime member of our community. And she absolutely smashed it on Sunday. And you can listen to that message again through our regular GBC Sermons podcast. But unfortunately, Margie could couldn't be with us for the big three today. So we're gonna pull in the only person we know who could answer questions from a sermon that they didn't preach. And that is none other than Mark Radar. And Jess and I will be putting the big three questions to him as we dive deeper into the invitation from this week's sermon. Uh, but for now, Jess, I'm interested on your thoughts coming out of Margie's message.
1: Yeah, I think Margie smashed it. I liked that she kind of shed some light on just the weird reaction that Jesus has to all of this and the weird, you're like, where are you going with this, Jesus? But she spelled it out really nicely for me, which I loved. And um, I'm a sucker for hand cream too. She really took me back to Thanksgiving in America. It just sounded like a great time. Do you know
0: what? She actually, so she sat next to me in the service and Mm. when she finished preaching, she came down and put the hand cream on. And the aroma, it was delightful.
1: Did you think of, what did she say? I can't remember what she
0: she said. Sort of um, Thanksgiving, oh, pumpkin and pumpkin pie, of, yeah, and all delightful. those things. Um, I've never experienced a Thanksgiving or pumpkin pie, no. so I was just like, "That smells nice."
1: <laughs> That's, <laughs> great. That's nice. Um, What's an aroma? <laughs> <laughs> what did you take out from out of it,
0: Matt? Um, actually, I she had this punchline at the end of her sermon that she, I think just perfectly kind of encapsulated it for me, which was this challenge to bring something of value to the foot of Christ mm. and, and watch him transform it. I actually have a brand new Bible and it's mm. got space for notes down the side. And it's the very first note that I've put wow. in my new Bible was her little punchline. Cause I was like, yeah, I think, I think there's something in the fact of that we need to bring value. I think sometimes we give Jesus the scraps, mm. but actually we need to bring the the perfume that's worth a year's wages. Yeah, sure. Um, not that I would ever spend a year's wages on perfume, perfume. but, you know, yeah. it's a different time. Yeah. <laughs> Jess is like, mm, but would I?
1: Probably not a year's wages. <laughs> Six I'd months. I draw the line, of, yeah, it's probably a 6 months mark.
0: <laughs> it's my little treat to myself for getting halfway through the year. <laughs> well, yeah, so I thought it was a cracker sermon. Yeah, and nice. a, Yeah, I really loved that. that um, Yeah, that challenge for us. Um, Well, I think it's time for us to start looking at the three big questions submitted through Slido this week. So Jess, what are our big three?
1: Question one is, why is there always so much focus on the death of Jesus when the victory is in his resurrection?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. valid, valid.
1: (laughs) Question two, what perceptions of the Messiah do we need to be challenging within the church and wider culture? Mm. It's good to take a step back, have a think about that. Yeah, yeah. And question three, what does it look like to be like Mary, bringing what is valuable to Christ within our daily lives? A year's worth of wages. A year's
0: worth of wages. On his feet.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's a challenge to all of us, I feel like.
0: Well, right on. Well, I think there's only one thing missing, and that is Mark Rader. Welcome, Mark Rader, to the big three.
2: <laughs> Thank you, Matt Willis. We're <laughs> quite formal this morning. Well, you know,
0: sometimes I like to throw you a little bit of respect.
2: <laughs> wow.
0: <laughs> don't really don't get used to it, though. <laughs> Duly noted. I'm sure I'll say something <laughs> offensive later on today. Um, how does it feel being in the preacher's seat when you actually didn't preach?
2: Oh, like today, right (laughs) now? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's uh, yeah, it's kind of part of the wider discussion. So I, I don't, I'm not too fast. You're you're just ready for it. Yeah, yeah. It's a good
0: discussion. For those of you listening at home, I did ask Mark, you know, do you want to know the questions beforehand, just so (laughs) that you can kind of, you know, allow it to percolate. And he just respectfully declined. Um, Man loves a challenge.
1: Well, to be fair, a fortnight ago, when you preached, Matt Mark could relay your sermon back to you better than you could so (laughs) yeah thanks for reminding everyone about that that's awesome what did you preach on how well I don't know
0: (laughs) well great it's great to have you (laughs) here on that I think it's time to get into the big three
1: Um, when Maggie preached on the weekend, she talked to him from John chapter twelve, and in this passage, Jesus kind of drops the bomb that the perfume was to prepare him for burial. And she explained that John had kind of alluded to Jesus's death a few times, but this is the first time he was kind of obvious about it. Um, and when we listen, we kind of get bogged down on the death of Jesus, but um, Margie explained to look, you know, for his eternal plan. So the church wants to know why is there always so much focus on the death of Jesus when the victory is in his resurrection?
2: Yeah, that's a good question. I, I mean, I, let me just say, that I thought I thought Margie did a great job too. I nice. thought, good um, opening. I was quite proud watching her. You know, I, you <laughs> know, just just because you know uh, <laughs> i thought you did really well i really i really appreciated the um, emphasis on the senses as well i think we often kind of forget that you know the bible would have been a smelly <laughs> like there's lots of smelly stories in that you know like um, <laughs> just to see where you're going <laughs> yeah. with this yeah, well just <laughs> like you it's think pungent. about well it's no, a pungent you think, aroma <laughs> <laughs> well think about the temple like the temple would have been full of like animal noises and the smell the of burning Well, yeah, except with the smell of burning flesh. Yeah. no Less less of the Easter show. You know, so I just think that, that there is a sensory component to scripture that we often kind of ignore. And mm. so I thought that some of what she said in that space was really good. I think that the emphasis on Jesus's death, I mean and to some degree this is, is always a bit of a tension for uh, for, for Christians, because we believe that in, it was in Jesus's death that, like the sacrifice was made, that mm. our sins were atoned for, that they were covered over, and that the the vic- victory of of the resurrection was kind of the vindication of all that Jesus had said. Um, and so, you can focus on the cross and say, you know, um, some denominations to do that. The Roman Catholic Church would would would. Emphasize the death of Jesus, mm. um, not to the, not that not, not they ignore the resurrection, but there's an emphasis on the, the death of Jesus. And I think even in many Protestant denominations, our emphasis can be there yeah. rather than on the resurrection. But I, I think probably the, the, center, the central reason is just how odd it is to talk about death as being the victory. Because mm. it's not as if Jesus died um, and then came back to life as kind of this weird second act. You know, like, uh, you know, like the Lord of the Rings, you know, Gandalf dies and then oh, he, he just Devastating. he just comes back. <laughs> you fools. Yeah, F- it's fly. fly,
1: you fools. Oh, is it? Yes. Oh, my gosh, embarrassing. I thought he said run. It no, it's it Where are they flying to? They're flying it, it, out of the cave. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> out of <they're>, the mine. <laughs> well,
0: the movie that I watched, they ran out of the cave. So <laughs> mm. run, <laughs> run, you fools, makes it way more sense. You've just
1: embarrassed yourself. <laughs> rewrite, so yeah. Carry and on so with so, your little I'm trying to lo-
2: think of it. you both attacked me just there. It just... Wow. Okay. So at any rate, um, he (laughs) dies, and then you don't expect him to come back. And then when he does, you're like, oh, I'm surprised. But for Jesus, like he talks about his death as the victory. And I think it's that component of how Jesus frames his death that means there's a lot of emphasis on it. Mm. Not to mention the fact that, you know, like say in the synoptic accounts, Matthew, Mark, and Luke – when when Peter goes, "Oh, you're the Christ, you're the Messiah, Jesus goes, yes I am." and then he begins to teach them what that means and that what it means is for him to die. So he was kind of deconstructing mm. and to some degree we would have to do the same for us today of deconstructing our images of victory mm. right Because very rarely is the person who dies the one who won right? Like normally the dead person is the loser. Like that's kind of how that works, right? Like you don't kind of claim victory when your guy dies. you like, yeah. yes, unless you were betting against him. So, you know, that whole idea, you know, of of really trying to um, show that there was a different paradigm and, and, you know, like his death and resurrection are are two sides of one coin in lots of ways. So Jesus didn't go to his death saying, I'm going to die and... I hope I'm raised to life again. Let that be—that be nice. But we'll just leave that in God's hands. Like there, there was even for Jesus a very clear sense of, I'm gonna die and then I'm gonna be raised to life again. Like this is all part and parcel of it. But the deconstruction of their expectations of what it looks like to be victorious and to overcome and to mm-hmm. conquer, kind of lie at the very heart of that. So say in the book of Revelation, the dominant image for Jesus is the lamb who was slain, Yeah, right? And it's not the lamb who looked like he had been slain, it's the lamb who was slain. Mm. Like, so again, like loser imagery, and mm. yet it's the lamb who is at the very center at the, of, the, uh, of the throne and, and who is able to open the scroll and all those sorts of images. And then you know, like in the seven letters, Jesus routine, routinely says to those who overcome, to those who conquer, to those who, those who win out, and what's the image of winning? Death. And so I think that there's ample reason for us to kind of grapple with what that means, mm. particularly when Jesus then ties his death to discipleship. So he doesn't just say, Follow my teaching. And just do that. I'm going to go, I'm going to die, and I'm going to be raised to life again, and I'll kind of take care of sin and all that sort of stuff, and open the way to heaven, but just follow my teaching. He actually calls us to follow his pattern of life, mm. which is taking up our cross and following him, um, hating this world and loving his, his, his world, mm. um, seeking the honor of the Father rather than the honor of our world. So it's this pattern of our discipleship that also needs to be kind of laid down in the mm. Gospels. So I think those are the – I mean, those would strike me as the contributing features or Mm -hmm. factors Mm -hmm. to why the death is so focused on because it's not really morbid. No. You know, but there's not a morbid fascination with it. Yeah,
0: Yeah. but I guess like I find it interesting because – and just as you were talking, I I realized like the Gospels, each of them, like they pretty much end – not long after Jesus dies, like they, they document his resurrection. And Mm -hmm. it's like, you know, he showed up to a few people and Hey, how you going? And then he's gone and then end the gospel. Right. Mm. So the whole, each of the gospels is just this lead up to his death. And I totally understand that it was a a challenge of expectation, a challenge of what it meant to um, follow God and follow Jesus Mm. and, and have faith. But really like, and you know, I've heard this preached before, like, if Jesus only died, mm. then everything that we do, everything that we believe is for naught. Mm-hmm. Like he had to, the victory was in his resurrection. Yeah. I, I find it curious that the gospels don't throw in, you know, I don't know, five more chapters just <laughs> at the end to kind of be like, all these people saw Jesus, It, it, it yeah. but it just kind of summarizes it, you know, and then, and then he showed up around the place. People saw him, just believe us, mm. um, <laughs> and and move on. Mm-hmm. Like wouldn't, why isn't there more of a celebration around mm. around which I mean, we get that in Acts and then the epistles and the, mm-hmm. the, you know the rest mm-hmm. of the New Testament. Mm. Um, mm. We obviously see the church celebrating the resurrection, but I don't know, why wouldn't they mm. documented his life so much and so detailed. Mm. Why wouldn't they detail his resurrection, mm. which was even more? Extraordinary.
2: Yeah, I think that, I mean, I, you know, I'm, I'm just guessing here, but I think there's something really quite significant in the fact that all four gospel accounts did that. Mm. So the first Christians, when they thought about it, they thought, you know, we'd actually need much more about that. <laughs> like, so the apostles kind of said to themselves, if we want to pass on the essential Jesus, we don't need to focus too much on on the resurrection. Like I find that, like that doesn't answer your question. No, it does not. In fact, it, it, <laughs> it triggers me more. <laughs> it makes it worse. So someone made a conscious decision to do that. Yeah, that's right. But I you know, I think that in, in many ways, if you follow, you know, as you mentioned the story of Acts, Jesus's resurrection also wasn't the end.
1: Mm. Like
2: he, he kept saying, particularly in John's gospel, this is quite clear. It's like, I have to go to the father. I have to return to the father. Cause if I don't, I can't send the helper. Like yep. I can't send the Holy Spirit. So there is a sense that if he had lingered, mm. that it would have been like, you know, seriously, just kind of get on with it, because something else needs to happen. Yeah, so while it was this um, more than a symbol, but this um, declaration of victory over sin and over death, mm. there's also still more to be done because the plans and purposes of the Father are not yet complete.
0: Mm.
2: Right. So it's that wider perspective. You know, I, again, I mentioned this a few times, I think, in the past, but I'm fascinated that when Jesus comes preaching at the starts of the Gospels, he doesn't preach the forgiveness of sins. Mm. He doesn't come preaching necessarily about eternal life mm. or about heaven. You know, like he talks about the kingdom of heaven, but he's talking about the kingdom of heaven on earth, like yep. the kingdom of God here. Uh, and, and, you know his death and his resurrection is part of that story and a, a really significant part within it, but there's still more to be done. Mm. And so I think that global perspective, you know, because Jesus didn't just come to die and mm. be raised again. that's again, that's not the end of the story. So that was this this pivot, this uh, transition to then unlock, the gift of the Holy Spirit in a completely new and different way, usher in the kingdom of God in a completely different new way and continue the restoration and renewal of the world. Mm. So I think that some of those components kind of play into it.
0: Yeah. Mm. So, yeah. Okay, I get that. Because it's like – so it was the trigger of something new as opposed to Mm. the end of the story. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so – that's why they just kind of left it wide open at the yeah. end of the Gospels. Yeah, I would have really guys. loved him to hang
1: around just for another year Ooh. or two just to explain a few things. It's like, oh, Sorry, that was only a sentence back there. I probably could have touched on that more. Let
0: me just <laughs> unpack that. <Yeah>. Okay.
1: <laughs> Predestination
2: and free will. Like, Let's just sit down and have a chat.
0: Or
1: just say that like, clearly the disciples didn't quite get what I was trying to go on about. Let me start again. That would have yeah. been great.
2: Well, and they didn't, right? Like Luke's account of the, the guys on the road to Emmaus where they're they're talking, and Jesus, like, really? Like, you still don't understand? So he opens their minds and mm. he explains the scriptures. And they're like, oh, I get it. <laughs> <You> <laughs> bless <know>? them, bless. <laughs> they you make know, us so, feel better about uh, ourselves. Yeah, so day. I guess the, the, the question I would have is if he had stayed for a year, would he have answered enough questions? <laughs>
0: All right, fine. I feel like now you he's saying that we're high maintenance And that we'll never be pleased I don't know how I feel about that kind of judgement Well you Not know If the boot fits. <laughs> fits And on that point I think it's time to move yeah, to question great. two <laughs> obviously, and this has come through in the discussion around Jesus' death, it was challenging perceptions and mm-hmm. expectations of the Messiah and, um, and this promised salvation. And Margie talked about that a lot in her message. Um, and I guess that feeds into our second question for today, which are what are the perceptions of the Messiah that we need to be challenging within the church and the wider culture today?
2: The image of of Messiah is one that, at one level, is very foreign to us. Mm. Like, we don't talk about the Messiah apart from Jesus, really, Mm. or if we're jokingly talking about, you know, some person who's done something amazing. But even then, (laughs) it's quite rare Mm. for us to kind of bust out that language. Mm. Um, You know, we might talk about having a, a, like, a, maybe even a Messiah complex. You know, I've come to save people. Yeah. But but really it's not very common mm. in our culture. And so I think one of the questions we have to ask is what is where's the where's the parallels? Like mm. where, where are the parallels? And I think some of the some of that then asks kind of begs the question of us, what do we need saving from? Because mm. that will determine the shape of our messiah. <laughs> right. Um, you know, and I think that while while there's probably some big commonalities, I think you know, we, we we seem to want to be saved from meaninglessness. That seems to be a big thing. Like we want to be, we want to have a life of meaning and satisfaction. Mm. I think we want to be saved from, um, you know, that sense of isolation from others. Um, you know, there's a whole bunch of those sorts of things, which will then shape what we expect of any kind of Messiah. Mm. Um, and that will then, and that will then, t- that will, determine the shape of the Messiah figures, yeah, yeah. you know, whether it be, you know, for trying to fill our lives with, you know, things because the Messiah for us is kind of ticking off all of those material needs or whether it's about finding some sort of meaning or significance, whatever that case might be. Mm. So I think that that's a starting point. Um, and yeah, so I like, I don't know, like, does that resonate? Like,
0: yeah, I guess like, as I read this question, I like, and, and we, we've seen this a number of times during John's gospel, like they, they had such a skewed perception about who they were waiting for. Mm. They had projected all these expectations around what he would look like, how he would come and what he would do when he got there. Um, and Jesus spends majority of his ministry just popping all those bubbles. Mm. So like what are the things that say, let's say for us as um, as the church, mm-hmm. big big city yep. church, yep. what are some of the perceptions that we kind of project onto Jesus as savior yeah. that may not be overly yeah. helpful?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of a, a, almost the second. Part of, yeah. like, you know, we have to ask, what do we, what do we think we need saving from, mm. you know? Because uh, again, I think in our wider culture, you don't hear people talk a lot about I need to be saved from my sin. Yeah, I might need to be saved from my guilt, mm. you know. But even that language or is my not, struggles or my struggles or something mm. like that. And so I think that they relate with, with each other because I think that some of the most dominant, I wouldn't say incorrect images, but I, I think I'd probably p- place them as. Um, where we exaggerate a certain feature of Jesus yep. to, uh, mm. to an unhealthy or unhelpful degree mm. um, would include like the imagery of Jesus as my friend.
0: Jesus, you are my best yeah.
1: friend. No, you should have done. Jesus is a friend of mine.
0: Jesus is my friend.
1: <laughs> I have a friend in Jesus.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, we're just busting yeah. out in song. Continue, please. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Save us from ourselves. Anybody, if you want to see
1: that amazing video, it's Jesus is a friend of mine on YouTube. Look it up. <laughs> so
2: good. Carry on. Wow, who's saying that?
1: Uh, no one good. You could. need to watch it. You need <laughs> I, to watch
2: it. I think it. I'm probably good. Um, <laughs> I've heard enough. I, it's, it's, I don't want to ruin it. Um, <laughs> so that whole idea of Jesus is my friend where the emphasis and, – and again, there's language, of course, in Scripture to support that. Like mm. we can't say, well, Jesus isn't our friend. Like, no, he is. But um, And we are his friends. But I think we can, if we exaggerate that feature, we can end up with this kind of very swarmy kind of Jesus. Yeah, like he's just kind of he's a bud, Uh, and you know my good friends they don't they don't hassle me in the sense of like really holding me accountable on stuff. Um, They just love me for who I am, Mm. all that kind of stuff. And 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 I think we that can be an unhealthy then image of. Of Jesus, not necessarily is Jesus the Messiah, which is, I think the, you know, I think if you really want to delve into that question, you'd want to ask, what do we need saving from? Yeah. But there are these unhealthy exaggerations of Jesus. Yeah, I think, you know, the whole, um, you know, like w- how Margie described Jesus, I can't remember exactly the words, but she talked about you know, him being like the forever king, I think. Yeah. Uh, and those sorts of images of being the, the one who will break the bonds and all those sorts of mm. things. Again... Totally true, totally scriptural. Mm. But if that becomes our emphasis of Jesus kind of rescuing us from all of our hardships, where it becomes a and and the evidence is that he actually rescues us, right? The whole Jesus take the wheel, and then he better take the wheel, and if he doesn't, (laughs) then what the heck happened? You know. Um, So I think we can sometimes have an exaggerated view of of what Jesus's rescue or Bondage breaking Mm. or healing will bring about in our lives. Um, I think sometimes we can exaggerate Jesus's transcendence, like he's so other, he's so different, he's so far away, Mm. quote unquote, that he becomes distant in our lives. Yeah, Um, you know, and again, he's he's seated at the right hand of the Father. He's He's pretty glory. transcendent. He's pretty <laughs> transcendent. So, like, yeah, I'm not going to blame you for kind of going, no, oh, no, I think Jesus is transcendental. Yeah, he is. You know, so I think some of those exaggerations of a particular mm. feature, or even the, you know, the idea that you know Jesus is just love. Yeah, he just loves everybody. And again, that tends to be a very, it doesn't tend to be an accountability, responsibility kind of love. We mm. kind of leave the whole. Yeah accountability part out or calling us to a standard or to the best form of ourselves. And we allow that to be infused with our kind of our warmest versions of love. Becomes a feel good. It can do. It can do. And so while Jesus is love, fine, like no problems there. uh, But the exaggeration of one feature to the extent of others becomes problematic. And it can go the other way as well. Mm. If Jesus is only holy, Right, if that's the only feature that's drawn up, then that can lead to an exagger- like a, a misrepresentation of him. So how we hold the multifaceted mm. character of Jesus together is, I think, a, a really tricky one yeah. in that space. Um, and I think sometimes, if I can kind of try to combine this two halves together, I think sometimes what we want saving from is what we want Jesus to then provide. And so yeah. we... We focus on and isolate those characteristics that will provide us with meaning um, or that provide us with that sense of um, connection, where the sense of connection and sense of meaning, as important as they are, Mm. can then end up becoming what we want to be saved from Mm. rather than and that once we've that we're fine rather than actually wanting to be restored into a relationship with god for mm. instance. So so i think it's it's in that space that that becomes problematic for us.
0: So how would how would we you know in our just day-to-day expression of faith identify that we might be exaggerating mm. a certain sure. trait of jesus. Sure. I mean into an yeah, unhelpful yeah. way.
2: Yeah 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 i think it's the unhealthy bit because i think Nearly every denomination or church or group will have kind of a kind of some dominant images of Jesus, yeah. you know uh, and that will change over time and all those sorts of things. I think that you'd want to you, you almost want to listen to your prayers a little bit more carefully.
0: Hmm.
2: Like what are the things that you're praying for all the time? What do you pray for other people? Um, is there are there some patterns there? Do you pray? Shall I say, do you pray holistically for people mm. or for your own needs? Are you praying for, you know, not just, you know, confessing sins, but are you praying for health and healing and restoration and renewal? And, like, is there a breadth to mm. our prayers? What are the adjectives that we use to describe Jesus, right? Yeah, like wow. do we, when we're praying, do we just pray, you know, Jesus, I'm so grateful you're my friend, and it's nice to have a friend in heaven. and you know, Yeah, you know, like, um, you know, or are we always talking about the holiness of, of Jesus? Or, you know, you're so holy, you're so perfect, you're... So, like, mm. again, uh, you can't fault any of those. Like, no. you can't sit there and kind of go, oh, wow, heresy, you know? <laughs> but if if there's patterns to our prayer life, for instance that's an indicator for us to just try to find a little bit of balance in Mm. in how we pray, to be a little bit more deliberate about some of the the language that we might use in that. That would probably be one of them. Yeah, awesome. Mm.
0: Well, that's a good challenge for us all to just take off and just, you know, Assess ourselves <laughs> Yeah I
1: think it's like Important You know You have those moments Where this is what You really need from God And so you actively Like seek mm. out in the Bible Okay where does Jesus Tell me that he loves me Or yep. whatever And so that's what You focus mm. on And At that moment It might be super unhelpful To start talking about The wrath of God And <laughs> how he smited Nations and things But I, yeah It's I, right I, you <laughs> I definitely see What you're getting at And if you have Tunnel vision of This is the one aspect Of Jesus you focus on mm. How you kind of Miss the mark mm. Yeah. yeah, I was
2: visiting a life group the other week, and we were i don't know how we got into this—but we ended up talking about like Trinitarian, like praying Trinitarianly, right? And the whole idea sure. of <laughs> <laughs> well, just in the sense that do it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I just said, like, I think we're often a little bit—I would say—a little bit sloppy in how we utilize the three members of the Trinity in our prayer, mm. you know. But if it's true that you know, the will of the Father is enacted by the Son and finished by the Holy Spirit. Then there are certain tasks that we can, shall we say, more appropriately pray to the Spirit mm. than to the Father. You know, mm. so for praying for our friends to have their eyes open to see the truth of Jesus, that sounds like the work of the Holy Spirit. Mm. Now, it's not wrong to pray. Oh heavenly Father, would you open the eyes of my friend? Yeah, because God gets the point. Yeah, God gets the point. But like, there's an element where we tend not to be very thoughtful about our prayer life. Mm. In the sense of, I mean, we're thoughtful about what we're praying about. But we're not as thoughtful about the language we're using for God. Mm. And so there's an el- there's there is some value in, and you don't want to become so like so pedantic pedantic about it that you're worried about getting the right member of the trinity assigned to the right task because that's <laughs> not necessarily trinitarian but you know I think it's similar with the kind of the attributes that we focus on mm. you know so if we're if if we unthinkingly are just always praying around the holiness, or always praying about the love, or always praying about whatever the case might be. There's some there's some benefit, real benefit, in us to expand our understanding of God's character, of Christ's character, and praying accordingly, and allow that to shape some of our prayers to be just a little bit more thoughtful mm-hmm. um, in in uh, in in focusing on the fullness of Christ mm. uh, in that sense.
0: Yeah. Boom. Nice. All right. I'll just mull on that for a yeah, little I'm while. Yeah, I've got to go and review my pre journal <laughs> and see gosh. what I've written. <laughs> got to do an audit. <laughs> Before we do that, let's get move on to question three. <laughs>
1: So Mary in this passage is just one of those like amazing women in the Bible who just like smashes it out and gets it right. And I love how Margie said like, she probably had no idea what she was doing. She was just, you know, trying to respect him and honor him for raising her brother from the dead. But regardless, she pours a whole bottle of very expensive year wages perfume, which I don't think they exist, but anyway, (laughs) onto Jesus's feet and kind of gives us the perfect example of what it's like to give something of value up to God. Um, So for us, what does it look like to be like Mary, bringing what is valuable to Christ within our daily lives?
2: Wow. What does it look like to bring something of value? And this is where we get a little bit caught in it, right? Because there's there's, there's also like the widow's mite. Right, where um, Jesus is standing in the you're looking, I
1: love how he looked at us like we were supposed to I know, know. <laughs> I know,
2: but I thought he was going to keep going. <laughs> Please explain well, yes. <laughs> for those um who may not know what you're talking about, um, in this room, in this room <laughs> uh, I'm sure some of our listeners don't know, either, but I'm sure yeah. some of them do. <laughs> <So> wow, do. <laughs> okay, just a reminder that uh. Okay. At least so, I know um, Lord of the Rings. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You know what Gandalf said as he fell at Moria. Yeah, but, yeah. Okay. So. but don't know my Bible. <laughs> okay. So it's that, it's that story where Jesus is in the temple across from where the, the offerings are put in, and all these people come in and they put in big gloves, uh, sums yeah. of money. <gasps> and, and then she puts in a little coin.
1: Yeah, yeah, the good, two yep.
2: the two pennies, or yep. some is called the might. Um, so it's this idea of totally know this. Yeah, yeah. Story. I wasn't on first name were, basis sorry. with the widow, but <laughs> yeah, now I you know. Go. There you go. There you go. It was my use of the word might that, yeah, that, that threw you us. off. It yeah, threw sorry. Us. Um, but and I think that that's a helpful corrective to the idea that it has to be something of incredible value mm. to be worth bring into Jesus, Mm. you know, that whole idea that, well, I don't have anything worth a year's wages or, you know, whatever Mm. that case might be. So it's not enough to bring to Jesus. I think that the story of generosity Mm. that you find in that example um, is a, is a helpful corrective to kind of go, you know, anything that is brought with Mm. an element of faith and trust and honor and love is, is worthy of being received. Mm. And I think that that's a helpful thing for us to keep in mind, um, that – and this is true of all worship – um, you know one of the things about say the sacrifices in the Old Testament was that they weren 't magical it wasn 't a matter of kind of getting the 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 cow or the sheep and saying the right things and placing your hands in the right places and sprinkling the blood in the right place and If that all happened, then God had to do something. There was this kind of built in sense that the attitude of the worshiper was really critical in the not the success of the offering but in the sense of this is this is more than just going through the motions and yet you know. Cut this bit up, cut that bit out, we we burnt that bit, we ate that bit, we're all good to go. And so the attitude of the heart is quite critical in anything that we bring to God as Mm -hmm. an act of worship, which transforms a couple of pennies or a year's wage into an act of of worship. So I think to some degree, we can be like Mary in bringing anything uh, of of that Mm -hmm. value in us and and giving it over to Jesus. As long as our heart is to honor him, to respect him, to you know, to to worship him in that sense. And then I think, you know, as, as Margie pointed out, you know, I think that whatever Mary thought she was doing, I don't think it was what Jesus said she was doing, right? That whole thing about I can just you picture know.
1: Mary being like, yes, <laughs> yes that, that was right. my plan all along.
2: Yes, of course, your burial. <laughs> and then just backing into the kitchen. Like,
1: yeah,
0: totally. <laughs> like yeah.
2: And saying to Martha, did you hear what he yeah. just <laughs> said? <laughs> um, and did you know this perfume was a year's <laughs> wages? <laughs> yeah, <that's right. laughs> I thought it was the other <laughs> bottle. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> there you go. Bless you. <laughs> so I think that there's like, and I think that's a really helpful, uh, I'm not sure it's a lesson, but I thought that was a really insightful comment to come out of that, mm-hmm. to kind of go, you know what? Sometimes what we offer to Jesus, he he uses it in completely different ways mm-hmm. or sees in a completely different way than we do, and we have to kind of be willing to kind of give it over to him and kind of go, oh, yeah. so that was for your – burial now okay I'm um, i will roll with that you know uh in that sense but i think that you know um the other the other um the other side of that is bringing things of value because they really matter to us mm. you know there is something like yeah okay two pennies given with right attitude is as shall we say as valuable in the eyes of the lord as a year's wages worth of perfume poured out. But there is something to be said about taking something that, you know, and and probably would have been an heirloom of the family, you know, and as, as again, as Margie pointed out, like she could have used it on her brother and didn't, Mm. you know, and so she kind of pours out this perfume in, in this overwhelming sense of, um, of, of love and respect and honor and thankfulness and gratitude and all those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. And there's something wonderful about that in the, it's not, it's kind of, I mean, scholars debate whether it's a the parallel story or whether it's a separate account, but in the synoptic accounts, there's the, the, the story of the woman uh, who was a sinful woman in the town who weeps at Jesus's feet and anoints his feet and then wipes his, his feet with her hair and mm-hmm. the whole kind of thing. And uh, in that context, Jesus then tells a parable to, the I think the teacher of the law that he's with, who basically says, if Jesus knew who this woman was. He like he wouldn't be so comfortable with this." And essentially, Jesus's um, challenge to this teacher of the law is, you know, when you when you love greatly, you give greatly. Yeah, you know, and this woman loves greatly, and that's evident in the extent of her offering. And so, I think that there's a a, a good kind of reflective question on our end to be asking. So. Not just what am I willing to give to Jesus, you know, like if he asked, would I give him everything, you know, uh, that lovely theoretical question that we never have to answer. <laughs> um, but almost to say, so, you know, if you looked at what I have given to Jesus in terms of time, energy, money, um, willingness, whatever that is, would you be able to tell how much I love Jesus? And is that an accurate reflection?
1: Mm. Okay.
2: Like there's, there's the heart of the question. Mm. Have I given in a way that people would go, wow, you really must love Jesus? Yeah. Like, wow. Okay, tell me more. I'm interested. You gave a year's wages to that? Mm. You, you just you just poured it all out like that? Wow. Like, what's going on there? And there's this sense that this woman in the synoptic accounts, and again, whether it's the same or whether there's different the two different accounts going on is... that's a scholarly question, but there's something profound even about what Mary does. Like it's evident that she's not, she hasn't done this lightly. I'm not convinced that she just kind of thought of it in the spur of the moment and kind of went, you know, how can I say thanks? Oh, I know. Like, I reckon that she had been, shall I say plotting this Mm. since her brother had stepped out of the tomb and they began planning this feast, you know, and again, they had, they had a cut tomb. They were probably a reasonably well-off family. They're hosting this meal there's buckets of people in the place. Like it's and I think it's it's almost as if she has taken this opportunity to go, this is how much this meant to me. Like mm. let me just let me just pour out for you how grateful I am for what you've done. And if you looked at our gifts, would people say, Oh, so Jesus didn't do that much for you? Yeah. Or wow. or would they go, Okay? Like would they be drawn? to our gift and go okay you really think highly of Jesus mm. um, tell me more about why like you know and so the woman who was a sinful woman it seems to have, she's recognized the forgiveness in Jesus yeah. you know and she's just overwhelmed by that Mary here overwhelmed by the re, the the the, restu- the resurrection of her brother mm. and just overwhelmed and so there's a part of us that kind of goes a year's wages for another Who knows how long Lazarus lived, but for another two or three years with my brother?
0: Mm.
2: Like, how many people wouldn't give that up? Yeah. You know, and so she's just poured this out on Jesus. And Mm. you think, okay, yeah, that's appropriate. You're like, Judas. Nick off. Yeah. You yeah. Know, yeah. Like Judas. you know <laughs> You suck. <laughs> that's, that's in the Aramaic. <laughs> you know? Yeah, but that whole idea of kind of going, yeah, this is not about the poor. This is mm-hmm. not about just kind of the poor. This is about a moment with Jesus. And so I think that there's there's two edges. I think we should we need to be rescued from thinking it has to be extraordinary to count. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But also I think there's a challenge for us to kind of consider, so what do our gifts indicate about our gratitude or our love or our respect or our honor for Jesus?
0: Yeah, that's a big one. Mm.
1: I love that.
2: I mean, do you really love I it? I would <laughs> have to take As out a mortgage I, yeah. to give Jesus a
1: year of my wages. I don't know about you. I don't have a year's wages just sitting around. <laughs> you get your like tax return, you're like, where did that money go? <laughs> no, but I think that
0: there's um, there's – there's an important invitation to reflect on actually the the level of devotion that we have mm. to mm. you know the God that we say mm. that we follow, um, mm. and I think you know you know in the in the discipleship cycle that we're doing in the PM we did a workshop um, around resilient discipleship we'll be finishing it off this week but we were talking about um, the inoculation effect that can happen in church where mm. we just kind of uh, become almost immune to um, the effects of of faith and and mm-hmm. the call of faith and and what faith needs to look like and what what our role in that is um and and so as a result it just kind of means that we go through the motions and that, yeah. that can be really yeah. unhelpful. Um, yeah. and I think that this is a really important, um, exercise of reflection mm. of like actually where is my devotion mm. and am, am I just showing up here? Mm. Am I just going through the motions, ticking mm. the boxes, or or does my life actually reflect a devotion, uh, an admiration, a love, and a mm. gratitude for this God that I say I de- I declare mm-hmm. and I say I worship? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's a it's a brutal but mm-hmm. important challenge of like would people. Be able to see from your gifts your devotion Mm. to Jesus,
2: Mm. and I I think again, you know, we have to be mindful that this was a, this is this is not given to us as a pattern for everyday giving or everyday devotion. No, no, right, there is this kind of exceptional moment here. So, because I don't think we need to be. We can, well, I think we can sometimes get caught in the idea that I have to be giving everything all the time, mm. and that can be unhealthy mm. in lots of ways. But I think you know the, the, the heart of the of your reaction, I think, yeah. is, is is the accurate one about. So would people be able to tell from just my day to day life yeah. th- that I'm that I'm actually quite devoted mm. to Jesus and the decisions and priorities I make? And then are there examples in my life? Have I had a have I had a moment like Mary? Yeah, where Jesus has done something extraordinary for me, and have I responded with a some sort of an extraordinary response? Yeah. Uh, not necessarily financially, mm. but just in terms of how I respond. Mm. Um, and I think that you know those kind of not necessarily one offs, but those kind of peak moments in our lives when there's this a moment to kind of go, you know what? This is a time to to do a little bit more than perhaps you yeah. know yeah. Uh, I might normally.
0: Mm. Mm. Boom. Oh, gosh. Now I've just got another thing to add. Now I've I've got to look at my prayer life. I've got to figure out if my actions show my devotion to Jesus. I've got a big week ahead. Yeah, Um, (laughs) It's already Wednesday. (laughs) (laughs) I'm triggered. (laughs) Um, Mark, thanks so much, mate. Really appreciate your reflections. Pleasure. All right, Jessica Baker. Mm. So we've heard from Margie. We've heard from Mark. Mm -hmm. What's, What's your take home? What's your big you big hitter for this week.
1: Yeah, I'm a bit like you. I've got a lot of things to think <laughs> about. <laughs> a lot of self-reflection. <laughs> it's exhausting. Yeah, I think um, uh, what our image of the Messiah is and, and how we can tell that, I definitely resonated with the fact that sometimes we just get caught up on mm. on one aspect or there's parts of Jesus or God that I just find a little bit like, yeah, I'm just not going to go there. <laughs> or, I'll <laughs> do it that away. later. We're like, walking yeah. away. <laughs> um, and so kind of, you know, taking Jesus for who He is, and taking all of Jesus, yeah. and, and making sure that we're not just focusing on one aspect, as that's not very helpful. Mm. And um, yeah, I really liked that yeah. discussion. What about right. you?
0: Yeah, I think that whole that demonstration of devotion is really hitting mm. me hard. And I just, um, I think, uh, I think that there's a, an important challenge. I don't think we like that challenge. No. Um, I don't think we like to kind of go, oh is is what i'm doing enough that's a that's a hard and, and a tricky and, and complicated mm-hmm. question um, and i'm not sure if it's about enough but i think it's about whether or not um i like i'm bringing the best of of me mm. to Jesus and and allowing Him to use that for His glory because I think that shows devotion and so you can do that in big ways with a year's wage or mm. you can do it in small ways with two pennies and um, everything in between but do people see my devotion I think yeah I think that's a that's a hard one and again mm. because you know we love our private faith you know mm. you do you I'll do me and we'll both love Jesus individually mm. it's like oh actually there's an opportunity to to declare with our actions. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. I think
1: in the last couple of months I've been I don't know if you, you've noticed it all but just a little stressed and busy and overwhelmed, <laughs> <laughs> you know. And definitely some girls from work continuously like why do you like why do you go to youth group every Friday night? Mm. Like that's something you could cut out. And someone actually said to me the other day it's like, well, just pick like religion or like relaxation. And I was like, "Oh, wow." <laughs> 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 <I care. laughs> Heavy
0: days
1: And so I suppose like I don't think they've quite gotten the point yet no. But they're noticing that This is my dedication to Mm. Jesus and to my faith and to seeing other people's lives changed Mm. by him. And, yes, it means I come off a little highly strung and (laughs) overwhelmed most (laughs) of the time. A little pitchy at
0: times. Definitely
1: the sentences pass my lips like, I wonder how much time I'd have if I wasn't a Christian. (laughs) But here we are. Here we are. (laughs) So, yeah, I suppose like that's up to me then to be like, well, actually, no, this is so important to me and this is Mm. what Jesus did for me and this is why Mm. I spend a couple nights a week at church or whatever. Right on.
0: Well, bless you for being here. I hope your dog has not been screaming. He definitely would um, have. There's some trainees out the front
1: of my house, so I'll ask them whether they've heard continual (laughs) screams for the last hour. I'm not sure if you want
0: to know that answer. I just just don't.
1: (laughs) You're one day away from
0: having a pup cam. (laughs)
1: Yeah, I'm definitely going to stalk my dog.
0: Bless you, my friend. Well, if you want to be a part of the conversation, make sure you're there at one of our services this Sunday, either online or face-to-face, and that you snap the Slido QR code before the sermon to get involved. If you've enjoyed the Big Three podcast today, take the time to give a star rating and be sure to, to subscribe to stay up to date with all future episodes. Thanks for joining us for this week's Big Three and our deep dive into God's invitation for us all. Remember, there's no thought too small, no question too big.